1: Welcome to the Collier's International Fourth Quarter Investor Conference Call. Today's call is being recorded. Legal counsel requires us to advise that the discussion scheduled to take place today may contain forward-looking statements that involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties. Actual results may be materially different from any future results, performance, or achievements contemplated in the forward-looking statements. Additional information concerning factors that could cause actual results to materially differ from those in the forward-looking statements is contained in the Company's Annual Information Form as filed with the Canadian Securities Administrators and in the Company's Annual Report on Form 40F as filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded today, February 11, 2021. And at this time, for opening remarks and introductions, I would like to turn the call over to the Global Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Jay Hennig. Please go ahead, sir.
0: Thank you, uh, Operator. Good morning, and thanks for joining us for our fourth quarter and year-end conference call. As the Operator mentioned, I'm Jay Hennig, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, and with me today is John Fredrickson, Chief Operating Officer and Christian Mayer, chief financial officer. As always, this call is being webcast and is available in our investor relations section of our website. A slide deck is also available there to accompany today's call. Earlier today, Colliers reported better than anticipated financial results for the fourth quarter and for the full year, despite the ongoing impact of the global pandemic. The strong finish is a testament to our unique enterprising culture, but also to the bold steps we've taken over the past four years to transform Collier's into a more balanced and resilient professional services and investment management company. Currently, the majority of our revenues and more than 60% of our EBITDA comes from high-quality, recurring services like investment management, property and project management, engineering and mortgage servicing. All of these continue to grow rapidly and over time will represent an even greater proportion of our revenue and EBITDA. The balance of our business, less than 40%, comes from transactional services, leasing and capital markets. While While volumes in these areas were down somewhat, they delivered much better than anticipated. Let's all remember transaction services are essential services. They're not going away, and they may be delayed from time to time, like in a pandemic, for example, but they will be back and they'll be back strongly when things return to normal. Collier's has another tremendous advantage, and that's diversification. Our revenues. Uh, are not only diversified by service and asset class, they are also diversified by geography. Having a global platform with multiple revenue streams generated around the world brings significant balance, stability, and more importantly, opportunity to colliers. We can actually grow everywhere. With all of these characteristics and advantages, not to mention our proven track record of more than 25 years, strong balance sheet and significant inside ownership, we are confident we will emerge from this pandemic stronger than ever. Before I turn things over to Christian and John for comment, I'd like to say a word about the Collier's brand. The acquisitions we completed this year, our continued growth and in investment management and our view of the balance of this year and beyond. First, the brand. As you know, we we have worked very hard to build the Collier's brand into what it is today, an undisputed global leader in professional services and investment management. Our brand is respected everywhere we do business and is supported by our unique enterprising culture and our proven track record. Earlier this month, Collier's a new visual identity which was designed for today's evolving global digital era. For us, this move was a natural evolution of the iconic Collier's brand and reaffirms our commitment to accelerating our success as we continue to lead our company and our industry into the future. Please take a look at our website or your favorite social media platform and share our excitement in owning the blue. Second, acquisitions. While others were in a holding pattern during the pandemic, Collier's capitalized by completing four acquisitions, including two larger ones. As in the past, we took advantage of market dislocation to move forward to complete important strategic steps that would accelerate our long-term success. In total, we invested $240 million in acquisitions this year, up from 109 last. In June, we partnered with an exceptional leadership team led by David Duran to enter the mortgage banking business in a major way. Our new business, rebranded as Collier's Mortgage, provides real estate lending and finance solutions, especially in the areas of multifamily, healthcare, and seniors' housing, as one of the select few who can issue debt on behalf of US government agencies. Among other things, this allows us to leverage our brokerage channel and offer real estate loans to our clients while strengthening our global platform even further. And then, in July, we added another substantial business in Mazer Consulting, a company that is also being rebranded as Colliers Engineering and Design. This addition marked another important step in our strategy to add more highly valued essential services that continue to diversify our business for the future. Led by a talented executive team with a significant equity stake, our focus is 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 on engineered solutions for the built environment, which will also benefit in the future as there are additional infrastructure investments contemplated everywhere. Furthermore, we see this business as highly complementary to our other professional services and something we believe we can scale globally down the road. Third, investment management. Our efforts over the past four years to build a global leader in investment management has proved to be another great success story and one that has added significant, enduring value to Collier's. Today, our investment management business represents above 20% of our EBITDA, more than double that of our peers, and it's made up of two platforms, Harrison Street, a market leader in alternative asset classes, and Collier's Global Investors, a leading European fund manager specializing in more institutional real estate assets. In total, we have more than $39 billion of high-quality Fee generating AUM, um, which has been up over 20% over the last year. We continue to actively grow our AUM and, in turn, our recurring management fee streams. Both bring additional balance, both create more resilience, and, most importantly, both create significant opportunities for colliers to grow in the future. Finally, a look ahead at the remainder of 2021. While the pandemic is expected to gradually subside over the course of the year, the timing and the extent is more difficult to determine. For us, this means business as usual for our recurring revenue streams, with a measured rebound when it comes to our transactional services, which we expect later in the year. Christian will have more to say about this in just a minute. Christian? Thank you, Jay. As announced earlier today, callers reported better than anticipated financial results for the fourth quarter and full year. My comments will follow the flow of the slides posted on the investor relations section of callers.com to accompany this call. Please note that the non-GAAP measures referenced on this call are defined in the press release issued today. All references to revenue growth are calculated based on local currency. On a full year basis, Revenues were $2.8 billion, down 9% versus 2019 and 16% internally. Our adjusted EBITDA was $361 million, up slightly from one year ago, reflecting two things. One, strong growth in high-margin services like investment management and our recently acquired mortgage and engineering and design platforms. And two, prudent cost management through the pandemic. Turning our focus to the fourth quarter, revenues were $914 million, down 4% relative to the prior year. Internal revenues were down 15%, primarily due to the impact of the pandemic on our transactional, leasing, and capital markets operations. Fourth quarter consolidated adjusted EBITDA was $155 million, up 7% from $144 million one year ago, with margins at 17%, versus 15.5% in the prior year quarter. During the fourth quarter, we maintained our prudent approach to managing operating costs to match expected pandemic-impacted revenues, with margins benefiting as transactional activity strengthened later in the quarter. Margins were also favorably impacted by acquisitions. In the Americas region, fourth quarter revenues totaled $525 million, up 8% over the prior year period. Outsourcing advisory revenues were up 31%, driven primarily by recent acquisitions. Capital markets revenues were up 46%, driven by strong debt origination revenues from a recent acquisition. Leasing revenues were down 34%, impacted by ongoing deferral of decision making by occupiers, especially in the office sector. Adjusted EBITDA was $70 million, up 40% versus last year with significant contribution from acquisitions, as well as ongoing measures to manage operating costs. Our EMEA operations generated Q4 revenues of $183 million, down 24% from one year ago, with each service line impacted by the ongoing pandemic. Adjusted EBITDA for the region was $36 million, compared to $51 million last year. Asia-Pacific fourth-quarter revenues were $163 million, down 11% relative to the prior year period. Capital markets revenues were down 33%, with a drop-off in large sale transactions. Leasing was down 11%, while outsourcing and advisory revenues grew 4%. Adjusted EBITDA was $36 million compared to $33 million last year. Investment management revenues were $44 million, reflecting growth of 4%, excluding the impact of pass-through carried interest. Assets under management were $39.5 billion at year-end, up 9% from September 30, 2020, and reflected strong fundraising activity in both open-end and closed-end fund series, including a new closed-end fund successfully launched late in the fourth quarter. Adjusted EBITDA for the quarter was $18 million versus $17 million in the prior year period. Based on our solid cash flow from operations for the year, as well as steps taken to fortify our balance sheet in the second quarter, we continue to maintain a conservative financial profile. Our net debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage ratio was 1.0 times at year end, at the lower end of our target range, relative to a ratio Of 1.4 times one year ago. With $777 million of available unused credit at year end, we have ample dry powder for future acquisition opportunities. As we look ahead to 2021, we are expecting the impact of the pandemic to subside, although the extent and timing remain uncertain. In our transactional services, we anticipate a tough first quarter comparison Pre pandemic levels of Q1 2020. But we anticipate a rebound in the second half of the year as the economy recovers and market confidence continues to build. Of course, our outsourcing and advisory and investment management revenue streams are expected to remain resilient through the year. Considering all of these factors, our outlook for 2021 revenues and adjusted EBITDA is to increase between 10% twenty five percent versus prior year. That concludes my prepared remarks and I've now to
2: turn the call over to John. Thank you, Christian. From an operational perspective across our platform both regionally and globally, I'd like to highlight a few things that contributed significantly to Collier's business continuity during a very challenging twenty twenty and helped position Colliers better than ever before as we enter twenty twenty one. Our decisive action to initiate and quickly implement cost management measures early in the pandemic anchored our resilience and the business continuity that supported our operations, kept our employees safe, and serviced our clients during a tumultuous period. This was tough on all of our people, those that remained and those on the sidelines. True to the strength of our culture, we saw incredible commitment and adaptability from our 15,000 employees validating your critical importance to Collier's as our most valuable asset. As the year progressed and business conditions improved, we were pleased to recall hundreds of Collier's employees back to work with only about 3% remaining furloughed at the end of 2020. During the past year, we made great strides evolving technology to become more of a strategic asset. With greater adoption and acceptance we expect to continue investing in digital solutions that deliver real value to our clients while also helping our people work more productively, including a new transaction and servicing technology platform for Collier's Mortgage, enhanced data intelligence tools at Harrison Street, and additional workflow digitization across our operations, accessible in and out of the office. We're excited about the role that technology can play to enhance our services in the future and plan to bring a sharper focus to digital innovation across Collier's in 2021 and beyond as it becomes an essential function within our operations. Undoubtedly, technology will continue to play an important role, but at Collier's we see it as an enabler of our people-led professional services and investment management that we provide to our clients and that our brand is known for. Some of our peers have decided to put technology first. Perhaps they see it as the future of their firms, more novel and exciting, where they believe investors will value them more highly. Whatever reason, we see it differently and will continue to prioritize and invest heavily in our people. Professionals looking to be part of a high growth, digitally supported global platform with an enterprising and collaborative culture that puts people first. As we continue to see a recovery that builds momentum with greater clarity on the horizon, we expect to reignite some of our investment plans which were dampened with the uncertainty of 2020, including our global occupier services and corporate solutions business, global capital markets, and the other key service lines, including those we can leverage globally to deliver more value and achieve greater scale. With additional investment and talent that brings additional capabilities and relationships combined with supporting technology, we are confident in our ability to double the size of this global advisory business over the next five years, substantially increasing the most durable of our transaction related advisory services. We have reinitiated our investments in global capital markets with the recent addition of new capital markets leaders in Canada and in the UK as we build out our capabilities in key markets globally. We expect our investments to align with the anticipated recovery in capital markets activity later this year, resulting in more critical advisory roles that add value in acquisitions, dispositions, and capital raising for investors leveraging our global platform, local knowledge, and visibility into global capital flows all within a global ecosystem awash with more institutional capital targeted at real estate assets than ever before. Finally, our updated Collier's branding couldn't have arrived at a better time as we put 2020 behind us and look forward to a period of renewal and a more prosperous future. While our brand retains several familiar elements of our legacy visual identity, it better represents who we are today and provides enhanced support for the sharp increase in digital, mobile-friendly marketing we experienced last year and expect in the future, as well as several tools to enhance the productivity of our people globally. Still, our brand messaging remains consistent with our culture and client-first mindset. In a world of increasing complexity, at Collier's we strive for simplicity with one overarching and boundless goal, to accelerate success. And along with owning the blue, we truly believe the sky's the limit. That concludes our prepared remarks and I would now like to turn the call back to our operator to facilitate questions.
1: Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press start then one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question is from uh, George Duman with Scotia Bank. Your question, please.
3: Hey, good morning, guys, and congrats on a very strong quarter. Um, Looking at your your twenty twenty one revenue and and EBITDA goalposts, can you maybe talk to what the working uh, assumption is? I guess for what Jay you call the measure rebound in in transaction volumes, can you maybe talk about that? What that assumption could be, percentage maybe year over year.
0: Hey George, it's Christian. Um, Look, like the uh, we we set some pretty wide goalposts as you mentioned uh, for our twenty twenty one. Um, numbers and, and broadly, you know, we, we do expect a rebounded transaction activity uh, in the in the back half of the year. Um, we also recognize there's a, uh, a tough comp in Q1. Q1 of 2020 was uh, was a strong quarter uh, for us, and, and we expect uh, the transaction activity for the first quarter of 21 will not be uh, at those levels. Um, so, uh, you know, I think there is uh, uh, optimism. Uh, uh, that, that uh, uh, conditions uh, w- will improve um, and uh, we were trying to take a measured approach uh, to that uh, we also in our forecast have the annualization of the acquisitions uh, that were made in 2020 um, and uh, the continued uh, growth of our recurring businesses um, which uh, you know will we expect uh, you know will grow at at uh, uh, at, at the low single-digit, mid-single-digit
3: levels uh, in 21. Okay. I think there was some anecdotal survey information that was released that suggested, um, you know, 50% rebound in transaction volumes. I guess if that does occur, um, our, our guidance would be pretty conservative, right?
4: Yeah, I think
0: that's right, George. Um, you know, that I think you're referring to a capital markets piece that was put out a few weeks ago, which was a it was a survey of, of uh, institutional investors and other market participants. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that is a, uh, was a quite a I think a quite a bullish uh, piece, and, and certainly we hope that is the case. But but uh, um, you know we're uh, you know we're we're optimistic.
3: Okay, that's helpful. And, and maybe for John, um, there was a longer term strategy of improving the margins in, in the Americas. Um By three hundred basis points over the next two or three years prior to the pandemic, um, maybe obviously we've taken quite a bit of action, but today, kind of where does that strategy sit? Um, how much more can we remove if any and over how long
2: look it, yeah, it is part of a long term strategy I, I'd say we're about halfway through that. Um, a lot of it was um, around kind of repositioning some of our cost structure as it related to our transaction business, and then also, over time, growing more scale and uh, creating uh, additional productivity uh, enhancement to the way we operate. So I think we're uh, we're well on the way, and I think we've seen some of the benefits. Obviously, um, not the best lens to look at, given we had to take some pretty hard cost action, and some of those costs will come back. But I think we're feeling pretty good about where we're uh, positioned with respect to that that business, of course, growing our occupier our service corporate solutions business, which again uh, it was a bit of a challenging year, but we still made some decent progress uh, this past year. That again is going to contribute to margin enhancement, I think, uh, around our U.S. business and the Americas generally. So we're
3: feeling pretty good about that, but uh, more work to do. That's helpful. And maybe one last one for me, uh, maybe for Jay. Uh, the, the balance sheets. Under lever by all standards, um, can you maybe handicap the chances of us doing a larger deal, uh, maybe in the investment management area uh, this year? And how's the appetite there? Uh,
0: well, I could hardly hear your question. I need you to do. I need you to tell, ask me the question again. But just before you do, I want to tack on to John's comment. If you take a look at, I think we've made great progress in uh, in margin enhancement in the U.S. If you take a look at 19 versus 20, we're up 200 basis points out of 3 on, uh, on EBITDA margin, so okay. we're two-thirds of the way there, uh, and so I think we're well on the way. There is more work to do, uh, but uh, it is moving in the right direction, and I'm happy to answer the question. But it's, uh, for some reason, it's muffled here, so it's hard for me to hear it.
3: Yeah, I can try again, uh, Jay. I was just asking you about the balance sheet. Um, you know, given that's pretty underlevered, there's room for a large deal. I'm just hoping where the odds that we can see that this year.
0: Um, you know, obviously, we don't want to give you any uh, any color uh, around that because uh, we do this all the time, and uh, especially the transactions that we work on. Um, it takes many many years sometimes to build the relationship with the targets that uh, of the great companies like Harrison Street and 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 Doherty now Colliers Mortgage. Uh, so we have we have uh, several very interesting uh, opportunities. Uh, whether the timing is right, whether the valuation is right, uh, will be will be just a function of. Uh, of, um, of a number of things, but we have the capacity currently, uh, and of course we always have additional capacity if the greatest opportunity presents itself. So uh, it's, a, it's an area of focus for us. It's an area where we think we can uh, accelerate our growth in the years to come, and uh, there's a lot of uh, opportunity to, uh, to bring some of the benefits of different platforms together uh to uh to advantage so hopefully that gives you some color
3: it does thank you for your answers and great quarter okay
0: thanks george
1: thank you our next question is from Stephen mcleod with bmo capital your question please uh thank you good morning guys
5: good morning Morning. Um, I just wanted to dig in a little bit on the uh, on the recurring business, the outsourcing, advisory, and investment management. Um, just with two questions. Uh, first, I was wondering if you could give a little bit of color around um, how the outsourcing and advisory business performed uh, by the sub-segments within that. So, project management, property management, valuation, advisory. And then uh, in the past, you've talked about recurring revenues in aggregate, potentially reaching you know 65 to 70 percent of revenues over time. And I'm just wondering if if that target still holds, and um, you know, maybe if there's potential to move that even higher.
0: So, so I'll I'll just give you a more general, uh, more general response, and then Christian can dig into the details. Yes, that that kind of um, a, a goal is still is still there. we can move our our uh, recurring earnings to 65%, hopefully a little bit better. Over the next few years, that would be terrific, Um, but that's probably a good balance of our business, to be frank, and so, um, you know, you'll see growth in all areas of our business, but if the recurring portion is 65, maybe even as much as 70 over time, that would be a a good result uh, uh, for us, And, and Christian can give you some color on the individual pieces, but I would remind you that diversification is diversification. That's the, that's the beautiful part of our business in particular. So within outsourcing and advisory, you have segments that outperformed in different geographic regions and some that underperformed in other geographic regions. And so when you look at uh, project management or engineering or mortgage servicing, what, what you really get is an amalgam of the results some good uh, by region. So, for example, using a, using a, a, a weaker example, India, uh, we, where we have a tremendous um, um, uh, project management business, uh, is obviously in huge lockdown right now. It's a business that could generate, uh, just our project management piece could generate 10 to $15 million of EBITDA on an annualized basis only delivered approximately five this year because of the the difficulties in India. The overall project management piece for our business was up, but that was uh, uh, taking into consideration the negative impact of India. So, you know, as, as you look at each one of the diversified service lines, bear in mind it's different in different regions, up and down, so there's puts and takes all over the place. But directionally which is important it's up nicely over the prior year so Christian I don't know if you want to add anything to yeah, that. I can, I can add a, a couple of things that uh, uh, you know you may have noticed uh, even that it, uh, you know, the EMEA outsourcing um, advisory revenues were down uh, for the year to the quarter so we had some impact in our to our French business which is primarily uh, a, a workplace. Uh, project management um, uh, business, uh, so they were impacted by the pandemic as well. And Really, uh, you know, as Jay mentioned, India and France are the two areas around the world where we saw impact on our uh, project management business. The rest was, was up uh, in the other parts of the world. Uh, I would say uh, property management was up uh, around the world. Uh, our valuations practice had a record year in the Americas and performed strongly elsewhere. Uh, our engineering business uh, that we recently acquired uh, in July uh, had also had an exceptional, an exceptional uh, first six months and, and has a great uh, pipeline um, of, of, of work uh, going forward. So uh, I think, uh, you know, as Jay mentioned, it's a bit of a geographic uh, noise, but that's part of diversification and that's one of our benefits.
5: Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Jay. Thanks, Christian. And yeah, absolutely understanding and and appreciating the diversification. That's a very good color. Um, and then maybe just maybe just finally, um, you know, could you talk a little bit about the strength in the capital markets business in in the Americas segment? Um, that seemed to be a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a nice tailwind to the quarter. And I'm just wondering how you see that evolving uh, into Q1 and and potentially through the rest of the year. Like, is that really isolated to Q4 at this point in time?
0: well in the Americas uh, and part of that is the uh, the acquisition uh, of Collar's Mortgage um, and the debt origination uh, practice uh, that we have, uh, which is a government agency uh, origination practice around multifamily and related uh, uh, properties. Uh, Those originations were strong. Refinancing activities uh, on the agency business was also uh, very strong given the low interest rate environment. Uh, we saw it in the third quarter, and it was pronounced as well in the fourth quarter. Um, that will continue uh, in the first and second quarter, but we'll, we'll tone down uh, here as refinancings uh, are, are completed and, and less of that uh, work is done um, you know, as, as we proceed through uh, 2021. Um, our uh, internal growth, uh, our internal revenues in uh, capital markets in the Americas uh, we're, were down uh, they were down about 12%, but but that is less than uh, than what uh, the market stats would show uh, and less than some of our competitors uh, as well, we think. So we performed well there.
5: Great. Well, thank you so much for the uh, great color, and congratulations. Thanks, Steve. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Daryl Young with TD Securities. Your question, please
0: morning guys just uh, following up on Steven's question uh, with respect to uh, Collier's mortgage um, is could you maybe just tell us how that's performed relative to your expectations at acquisition and I, I think at um, at acquisition you talked about that being you know a, a double digit growth business um, could you maybe just give us a bit of an update on, on the outlook for that yeah I mean a, uh, it's been a pleasant surprise for, in, a, in a number of areas. First of all, the, uh, the leadership team there is just terrific. Um, they were constrained under prior ownership, not in a bad way. It was just a privately held company um, uh, founded many, many years ago by, a, by a, a, an iconic business leader, uh, but they were constrained in terms of growth opportunities, and joining with Collier's immediately gave them national scope, immediately gave them the opportunity to, to mine our brokerage channel, to originate multifamily, seniors, uh, um, and affordable housing uh, opportunities at a time when interest rates were very attractive. And, and, and that those asset classes are also key asset classes Harrison Street. So there's been uh, sort of a twofer on that because both Collier's helped to originate, but also Harrison Street, which does this for a living every single day, buying and refinancing assets that comply with, um, with the uh, types of asset classes that Collier's mortgage funds, uh, created a great opportunity. And we really have only scratched the surface our collective teams are, are, are actively working together to mine the flow of opportunities, both through Harrison Street and both uh, and, and also through the Collier's Network. So it's it's performed much better than we expected. Uh, we hoped for this, we anticipated this, but we only modeled it based on, um, you know, uh, same-store sales and modest growth as we always do in acquisitions. So, we're quite excited about the future of that business and think it could be uh, double or triple over the next uh, over the next three to five years. Okay, great. And then just one more uh, on the office side with respect to um, your advisory services and, and some of the outsourcing. Coming out of the financial crisis, we saw a, a big pickup in the outsourcing activity and attempts to shed costs. Would you say the pandemic has, has maybe accelerated those trends further, and, and maybe you could just give us a little bit of color on, on the pipeline uh, of potential work that's coming through that, and then I guess would that translate into potentially brokerage market share wins as well if you build those relationships?
2: Um, it's John here, Nero. Um Look, uh, this has been a, a real catalyst uh, around Companies again reevaluating the uh, the workplace and, and the role it plays in their operations. So at least for the time being, uh, our, our teams are working very closely with uh, many of our, our clients and, 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 and prospective clients and new clients around thinking through how best to optimize, the workplace, uh, from their perspective and, and companies have different objectives. Some are very cost focused. Some look at the workplace as being an asset and attracting talent and you have a whole wide spectrum of things. But I think more than ever before, the, uh, the current crisis and I think where we're going into the future, um, is, is very conducive to professional advisory services that we can provide. We can provide insights best practices uh, that in isolation companies are finding it difficult to access, and we're able to mobilize our professionals who are experts in this field and who have the market intelligence from advising so many clients on uh, things that really matter. So we, we're we very bullish uh, on the opportunity, and ultimately, uh, that kind of work does seed transactions, uh, whatever that might be, and uh, I think that latter part remains to be played out. There's still lots of activity that is on the sidelines as companies think through uh, what works best for them in terms of their own. And this is primarily around the office footprint, obviously, the whole industrial sector. And uh, to, to, a, to a lesser extent for us, retail uh, have different dynamics uh, across the, uh, the space, but uh, very bullish on the opportunity there. And that outsourcing trend, I think, was going to continue.
5: Excellent. I will uh, get back in the queue. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Ray Skidmore with Goldman Sachs. Your question, please.
5: Uh, Thank you. Good morning.
0: Just to follow up, maybe a question for Jay on the acquisition side. Um, As you look at your footprint, whether it be by business line or geography, are there places where you see white space or opportunities that you think you should be bigger or Opportunities to scale uh, the business. Thanks. So um, you know that's the beauty of our business. We have so much white space virtually everywhere, even in markets where we're the the hands down market leader. Uh, this category um, is so wide, and it is the uh, having a variety of real estate services transactions a small part becoming a small part of our platform and it's becoming a smaller part of the platform of the other peers out there um, it's the other services that just offer so many opportunities to grow and when you're a global platform you have exceptional management teams that know how to operate the Collier's way know how to integrate acquisitions once they're completed gives us a huge, huge advantage to grow our business. So I can't point to any specific area because uh, I would say to you, we have white space in every market. Um, we'd like to grow this bit, this particular portion of our business better, bigger than it is today. We see we see opportunities to fill gaps in other areas. So um, that's the beauty of the of the platform that we have. Um, and as the leadership teams we have on a global basis. Thank you. Just a, a second question, separate topic, just in terms of the leasing pipeline across the portfolio and how you see leasing evolving relative to the transaction market in 2021. Thank you
2: uh as as you know, and uh, as it's been talked about a lot, there's been uh, lots of deferral around uh, leasing. Um, I expect uh, or we expect uh, some of that to to continue uh, as again companies sort through trying to determine what works best for them, and they are as a bridge to making those longer term decisions often looking to uh, defer. Leasing and uh, obligations around space for say a year, we expect that to continue. The uncertainty, while diminished, has not gone away in 2021. So we expect that some of that to continue, but there are other companies that are are are, are looking through the pandemic and looking at other factors that are important for them and uh, making long-term decisions. And we've certainly been involved in many of those transactions. So we think there'll be less deferral. Of decisions uh, that we saw in 2020 but we don't believe they're going away in 2021 they'll diminish significantly and it'll be a year or two I think before we're back to uh, I guess patterns of, uh, of, uh, of thinking and um, obligations that uh, companies are prepared to take on down the road.
3: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Matt Logan with RBC Capital. Your question, please.
4: Thank you, and good morning. Good morning. Um, good morning. Jay, earlier in some of your commentary, you mentioned that Collier's has several very large, interesting opportunities, and that the business has additional capacity if the greatest opportunity presents itself. Can you tell us what Collier's greatest opportunity is at the moment?
0: Uh, good question. Uh, we don't have any greatest opportunities. We're open minded to anything. Um, as long as, I, what I would say is that if you look at the engines for growth that we have today, we're very comfortable with those engines. We are actively looking to grow them globally. Um, I don't see in our pipeline anything new uh, because we just see so much opportunity in those existing areas. So, um, you know, we ha- we happen to be in a fortunate position to have extremely low leverage, lots of capacity to capital. So there really isn't anything uh, within reason we couldn't buy. Um, uh, uh, as long as it it enhances our platform, which is something that we think about all the time. Uh, I don't think people think about this as much. You know, uh, the integration of a business and the impact it might have on the culture of the organization is always a key consideration for us. And that's a market-by-market, business-by-business kind of decision. So, that would be some. That would be a limiting factor. But capital, no. Um, uh, in the uh, you know in our existing areas for growth, no. Uh, so we're open minded, and uh, if anybody in your uh, in your investment banking area has a great opportunity for us to consider, I'll give you my home phone number, my wife's phone number, um, and even my kid's phone number. They'll get to me quickly. <laughs>
4: Uh, great color, and maybe just in terms of those growth engines, uh, would those be Harrison Street, Colliers Mortgage, and uh, the Colliers Engineering Platforms? Really, as the as the main growth engines.
0: Right, but also the tradi- the traditional transaction services. There's lots of markets. You know, one of the other mem- one of the other people on the call mentioned this. Uh, there's a lot of markets where we're undersized, and there's there's opportunity there to uh, significantly enhance our, our, our presence. We're doing, uh, a, a, I hope, to be a very successful job in France. We entered that market five, seven years ago. It's been a rough go, to be frank, um, but the last couple of years we've really gained – Momentum—you haven't seen it yet in the results—and there's other markets like Spain where you are seeing it in the results, despite a very difficult pandemic in Spain. And we're excited about India. And um, and if you take a look at our our, uh, our results in China, we're we're doing extremely well in China, and the uh, the team there is exceptional and very bullish about the opportunities there as we open as we open some new doors that uh, previously weren't open to us so um you know there's excitement uh, there's excitement internally i think there's also uh you know a uh, a desire to get beyond the pandemic for everybody uh, but also our leaders who feel like it's our time at collier's and it's our time to really um Uh, uh, enhance our market position and accelerate our success. So they're
4: anxious to do that. Uh, Appreciate all the commentary. And maybe just one last one for me before I turn the call back. When I think about your goalposts for 2021, we have revenue and EBITDA growing at the same clip. Would it be fair to say that – you know there's no margin expansion potential for 2021 and maybe some of those cost saving in- initiatives that we talked about last quarter are more of a longer term story or is it simply too early to quantify uh, any potential margin expansion at the current juncture
0: well look matt i mean i, I can take you through it uh kind of uh service line by by, by service line uh if, if you want you know, obviously, brokerage. For, for we're going to have some some operating leverage from higher revenues. We hope in, this, in the back half of the year. But We we'll also have some costs that we're going to reinstate uh, from the uh, you know the significant cost management initiatives we took in 2020, and also some investments in people that John talked about uh, in terms of uh, capital markets and, and occupier. Um, and uh, you know, we, we can uh, investment management is going to be. Um, similar to, to, uh, to prior year, corporate costs are going to go up. Um, obviously, we took significant cost uh, in it actions on, on the corporate side. You can see that in the, in the numbers. I'm happy to take you through more detail offline uh, on that, but there's uh, a number of moving parts uh, in, our, in, our, in, our, uh, in our outlook in terms of the, uh, the margin, but uh, on, on a net effect, it, it, it remains relatively flat.
4: Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave it there, Christian. Appreciate the commentary. Uh, I'll turn the call back. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our next question is from Stephen Sheldon with William Blair. Your question, please.
0: Thanks. This is actually Josh Lammers on for Stephen. Uh, first, want wanted to ask about headcount. You noted some appointments in key markets, and that for the most part, uh, there's very few professionals that are still furloughed. Just good to see, you. but to start the year, where does headcount stand in the leasing and capital markets businesses relative to the start of
2: 2020 uh, we we'd be at a similar uh, number at this point i mean there there have been, been some puts and takes. we may be up marginally, obviously uh, some uh, People, as I as I indicated, we are about three uh, percent furloughed, and that's pre- predominantly servicing the transaction market, which we expect to come back. But um, at this point, you know, we certainly are ambitious of uh, of adding to that headcount in the right way, and we've already started early this year in doing so, and expect to do more of that uh, as the year progresses.
0: Sure. Thanks for that, uh, and, and appreciate also the the guideposts on, on revenue and EBITDA guidance. Are you able to provide any expected cadence of EBITDA contribution throughout the year? I'm guessing it's going to be heavily second half weighted, but to what extent would you expect it to be second half weighted?
1: Would be helpful.
0: Well, look, Josh. I mean, I think we provide a little bit of color around around our expectations for the transaction in the first quarter. Obviously, yep. we have a tough comp on the transactional mm-hmm. side. Uh, and, and we expect, uh, you know, transactional businesses to really uh, to, to rebound in the second half uh, of the year, and, and the, uh, the, re- the recurring businesses, the, uh, the outsourcing and advisory businesses, to uh, remain steady uh, through the year. So, um, you know, that's about uh, the most uh, commentary we can give on, on that, sure. and, and the outlooks clear outlook. And the guideposts are wide, uh, because we have still a lot of uncertainty out there, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, that makes sense. And then John touched on it a bit when his prepared remarks, but with the hire of Tony Clark, wondering if you could give us a, a, maybe another sense or a little bit more insight into his initial agenda and what are some of the major tech focuses uh, uh, early on in his, in his appointment?
2: Uh, he's been a great uh, addition to our U.S. Uh, team, and he'll work very closely within our North American shared services. We kind of – try and pool some of our resources around technology uh, across the North American business because there's so many um, leverage points that uh, we can share costs and uh, have some scale benefits in doing that. But I, I think his, his focus is going to be uh, largely on you know a number of our, our proprietary tools and, and some of the technology we access uh, from third parties and ensure that um, we're using that in an, on an effective basis certainly from a cost perspective but more from a, an adoption utilization ensuring that um, the, uh, the, the the people in our business that can best benefit from technology uh, have access to it and that we are you know very focused on using technology and the delivery of our service to our clients our Collier 360 is a um, is a really a portfolio management um, uh, industry leading tool for occupiers and we're going to, uh, you know, continue to evolve that product, and there's there's lots of things that we can do with that, including um, augmenting additional services that are relevant to occupiers that can be channeled through that Colliers 360. So, that'll certainly be an area. Uh, some, you know, other tools that uh, we're currently using, and he'll have to put his mark on the future of those as it relates to really market intelligence and um, activity-based tools that uh, more of our sales brokerage team uh, uses in the U.S. The infrastructure is, is very, very sound and solid, and uh, I think um, most of that will be dealt with by a separate group. But Tony will—it's certainly been a, a welcomed addition, a real veteran around uh, technology, uh, having also been with other public companies. So that's that's an added bonus. So we're excited
0: to have him on board. Great. Thanks for the insight and a uh, great cut- quarter, gentlemen. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question is from Frederick Bastian with Raymond James. Your question, please.
0: Hi guys, um, Jay, you gave some great color on the potential for uh, Colliers Mortgage. I'd like to um, now maybe switch to um, to Mazer. And in your, in your opinion, um, how big can the engineering services platform you just gained uh, get in the next five years? Well, uh, the uh, the goal here, and I, you know, it's probably uh, probably uh, ahead of myself here. The goal is probably to have about a billion dollars in revenue from that service line over the next five years. Uh, I think it's I think it's achievable, and uh, it, it's probably uh, on a global basis. Um, so we see it as a uh, as a support and complementary to some of the other services that we we offer it's just a natural extension for us okay cool and then within the US just curious if uh, if MASER is well positioned to capitalize on the Biden administration's plan to invest in in green infrastructure we know it's a quite quite a hot topic right now but um, just curious if they have any opportunities yeah they, they, they are very focused on that but you know the, the one thing that you know is that Mazer is concentrated in the Northeast, uh, uh, very concentrated in the Northeast. So uh, you know that boat creates opportunity for us to augment the platform across the U.S. But uh, yes, they're set up uh, they're set up for that because that is probably 30 or 40 percent of their business today. Okay, awesome. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And I will uh, turn the call back to Jay Hennings for his final remarks.
0: OK, thank you, everyone, for attending this conference call. We look forward to the uh, the next one. Um, and thank you, operator, for, uh, for coordinating the call on behalf of everyone.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes the conference call. Thank you for your participation. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to
0: TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you
1: next time.